0: I had like this fake assistant. so I had an email address for Virginia Clark Nelson, who was my assistant. And the reason why I had her is because I got to a point where I, I wanted to increase my rate, but I didn't feel comfortable negotiating for myself and still being the person that had to show up and be gracious and cordial and humble, right? So I did that through Virginia. She was like my
1: alter ego. Welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where female founders step into our world. It's a world of changemakers and innovators. We're talking to
2: women paving their own way and extracting the very best lessons.
1: We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for ambitious women who are building businesses of the future. So,
2: strap in fellow lady brain, and ride with us to ladyland.
1: Have you ever had that feeling in your gut that a working relationship, partnership or collaboration just wasn't quite right? Our next guest knows exactly how that feels. NYC-born Hannah Bronfman was just 25 years old when she was frozen out of her tech startup. Hannah's company, Beautified, was the first app allowing beauty appointments to be booked at salons on demand. Right after Hannah and her co-founders raised $1.2 million in seed funding, everything came crashing down. But she didn't let this experience break her. In fact, a year after the dust settled, Hannah came back with a vengeance with a renewed focus all on personal brand. And it's from this that she launched her own health and fitness platform called HB Fit. She's also a renowned DJ for big brands such as Dior and Fendi, a published author and a global ambassador for Adidas. We were fascinated to hear how Hannah got her start. So we took it right back to the beginning, asking her how she went from being a fine art student to becoming a serial entrepreneur.
0: It's funny. I definitely didn't really know my purpose or what or how I was going to like build my career. I had worked in um, kind of PR in multiple industries, whether that was music or fashion, kind of throughout my career. Um, high school years and into college um and then i started djing um in at at college and I, I i was at school for fine art and i got a ba in fine art and um kind of on the side i was djing you know our little like local pub and uh we we ended up gaining a lot of traction and when i came you know i'm born and raised in new york and so when i came home um for summer break i started to kind of go around and, and ask people to hire me at nightclubs. And eventually I had a friend who owned a really cool place in New York. It was kind of like the heyday. Mm-hmm. It was a place mm-hmm. called the Jane. It's actually still around. It's a place called the Jane.
2: Oh
1: yeah. Um, yes. Yes, 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 yep. Been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Fine, fine.
0: Yeah. Um, and um, they were my friends and and they were like, you know, we have a pretty packed schedule, but Uh, We'll keep you in mind. And then one day they had a cancellation and um, they called me. They were like, listen, we need you to play tonight. And, you know, we ended up going two hours over, you know, the the time that we're supposed to shut shut the place down. And it was just so fun. Word got out. I started DJing more and more and then. I kind of got really burnt out. Like I graduated mm-hmm. school, I came back to the city, that's what I was doing full time. It was the height of the economic decline and I had a BA in fine arts. So like, you know, I and I yeah, I had a background in PR, but no one was getting corporate jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So um I was DJing like maybe four or five nights a week and I was just exhausted. Um and that lifestyle was just not sustainable for me and I and I realized that in order for me to kind of gain my life back. And like I had always grown up as like a you know, really physical kid, loved being healthy, and all of that stuff just kind of went out the window all of a sudden. And I, I woke up one day and kind of was like, I need to get back to taking care of myself. And so I had to do like a full lifestyle change. And I realized that what I could do with the talent that I had was move from this like nightlife course and move into corporate DJing. And so that really took me to, you know, it, it took me from DJing from midnight to 4 a.m. for, you know, party kids mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. DJing from 6 to 9 p.m. for corporate America. And um, during that switch, I realized, you know, OK, I need to have a little bit more, like, take care of myself a little bit more, have better presentation, you know, OK, maybe I should be getting a blowout, all that stuff. And then it was kind of the same time that Uber came out. And I, I, and like I said, I'm from New York. I knew the places I wanted to go to, but I didn't want to have to call around each place to get a, a last minute beauty appointment, whether it was getting my nails done or my, or blowout or whatever it was. Um, and I was like, Oh, I want to start an app that allows you to book beauty appointments through a last minute curated, you know, salon and spa situation. And I kept talking about this with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Um, And he was like, you know, I know this girl who has been talking about something similar. Like, I'm going to put you two in touch. So I met my co-founder, Annie, and the two of us were like, we're going to change the world one at a time. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so we just started like hitting the pavement and. Uh, we got a third co-founder who ended up being kind of like he wasn't our CTO, but he kind of ran the tech team, mm. and um, we just hit the ground running. And we we built this proprietary software. Uh, we had a designer who was really who had never done anything. Um, like UX related Mm -hmm. and um, it was a really awesome project for her and we were so excited about it and we got connected. You know, we just, we went salon to salon to salon. Like we met every salon owner. Um, And at that time my personal profile was starting to build through this DJ situation. I was DJing for Vogue. I was DJing for Dolce & Gabbana. I was DJing for like for Fox, um, and like ABC, like it was like ran, you know, random Random events. Yeah. yeah, But my name was starting to pick up. I had a little bit of press behind me and, you know, next thing, you know, like Vogue wants to write about my new business. And, and we, so we started to have this like momentum Mm. and it was really exciting. I mean, I, I was, we were so passionate about this and, um, it came time that we needed to raise money and we raised money. We raised like 1.2 million, um And this was in 2012, right? So this is like before the bubble burst, right? This is like, this is prime. Let me give your, let me give money to any consumer,
1: Anyone? <laughs>
0: any, any like consumer mobile brand, right? Yeah. So um you know, we raised money. We had our write up in TechCrunch. You know, we we thought we were like on a wicket. like
2: you were yeah. on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I was like, I was like, I am a tech founder. Like, yeah, so <laughs> like, yeah I'm a DJ, but like, like I, you know, I do serious stuff. Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> um, and then and then it like all came crashing down because um, this guy who was our third co-founder uh, like royally screwed us. He basically um in more ways than one he Mm -hmm. was very sabotaging to our team he withheld equity from me and my female co-founder he was very controlling he wanted to like you know control every aspect of of work micromanage and it became a, a really um kind of like really just like rotten environment for annie and i to to work and we talked to our investors because a lot of them came through our relationships. And they said, listen, we invested in you guys. Mm. This guy is replaceable, like let's replace him. So we kind of staged a coup for lack of a better term. (laughs) And right before we kind of pulled the trigger on that, he kind of got wind Mm. and he just turned it right around on us. And next thing you knew, we were completely locked out of our emails and the back end wow. and, and we just had no access to our company anymore. Um and that was like the most devastating thing that I've uh you know, besides like family losses that I've yeah, ever been was. through. Um and it was something that I spent a lot of money um in in uh lawyer fees trying mm. to mm uh, salvage. And I tried to set up, you know, s- certain companies buying us for, mm-hmm. you know, nominal amounts, but if at least we could save face in the press, you know, we, we tried to get an out every which way. And this guy just wanted to be, you know, the captain of a sinking ship. So, um, we eventually had to walk away and it was in those six months of, um, you know, the, the sinking of beautified mm. that I kind of found my actual legs mm. and, um, realized that I needed to reinvent myself and that this wasn't going to define me. Mm. Um, and that if I could, you know, found that I, I founded a tech company, I can, and I, and I, you know, I'm a DJ, like, uh, I was like, okay, I, I have multiple interests mm. and that's okay. And clearly that works. Like I can do that. And at the same time, like my Instagram was starting to like kind of pick up and and I, I remember I, I went through all the stages of like kind of like a classic ex girlfriend, like denial, it's revenge, great. yeah, like grief, yeah, like the all of it. And yeah. I think I would might have been in like the revenge state. And I said to Brendan, um, I was like I was like trying to plot something like really <laughs> really crazy for something to happen to this guy and and Brendan just looked at me and he said, "You know, honestly, Hannah, like you spent so much energy mm-hmm. in on all of this. Like if you spent this much energy on what's happening on your phone, like in that community on Instagram, I bet you you could turn that into something." Mm. And he said, "The best revenge you're ever going to get on this guy" is for your face to be everywhere and he won't be able to escape you. And I was like, mind blown. Like, I was like, what? Like that's genius. Like, wow. Like, Oh my God. And I just started to like, I mean, I was already like, just. I was just using Instagram to just like showcase my lifestyle and just like, you know, healthy, bringing healthy living tips to people or just, just showcasing what I was up to. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it in any sort of way And then I did understand that people were into it. Like there was definitely a community, like people were engaging, like all of a sudden, like, Mm. you know, you're chatting with people that don't even live in the same state as you, Mm. uh, let alone across like the Atlantic, you know? So um, I started focusing more of my efforts on, on Instagram and growing my DJ career. And, and slowly I just, um, I basically created a, a, from a hashtag I was using called HB Fit, I used, uh, I ended up using that to start a .com, and now five years later, we're like, you know, it's, it stands for health, beauty, and fitness. And we are like a full community of like-minded women who are just trying to learn as much as we can about the ever-changing wellness landscape. Mm. And, um, through, you know, having those connections in the beauty space from before has really like helped me, you know, as kind of like an insider bring so much knowledge to my community. So it's weird. I mean, I I never I didn't really know what I was doing or I didn't see the path in both mm-hmm. instances of HB Fit and Beautified. Um they both kind of came out of passion and I kind of just figured out what to do. Um and now You know, I've kind of built this personal brand Mm. of my own as well as HB Fit. And and it's pretty awesome. And now we're talking about products and, you know, it's just like it's kind of an ever evolving situation and a path that um, I didn't necessarily I didn't see the road. But yeah. we just, we walked the path,
2: you, you know what I path. mean? And also, I guess, sees the opportunities that came to it at the time, mm. I think is also, oh, yeah. yeah, something important. Yeah. Um, we,
0: and like every DJ gig was kind of like a door into a marketing department.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So like all of a sudden I'm DJing for Clinique and then they're like, oh, you know, you were really great to work with. And I was like, you know, I've been I've loved your product for so long. And they're like, oh, why don't you do something for us on social? And then, you know, six months later, I'm in a campaign with them. So it's like, you know, Mm. the the way that you can facilitate organic growth Mm. is pretty remarkable.
2: Do you credit a lot of that to your connections, like going out, creating the connections, fostering those connections? Have, yeah. a, have most of your opportunities come from people that you know?
0: Um, no, I, I would say in the beginning, it, the connections definitely helped. Mm. Um, but I would say that in the end, what it, what it came down to is being, being someone that is easy to work with. Yeah. There are a lot of people who do what I do. You know there were a lot of girls DJing at that time. Mm. You know there there's a lot of content creators. I think at the end of the day, if, if you're someone who is really passionate about what they do, is gracious, is easy to work with, people will want to work with you again. Mm. And that's how I was getting rehired for gigs. Right? Like you know a lot of you know, a lot of brands want this girl this week, that girl the next week, and I had really loyal loyal clients mm. who then we're able to speak my praise. And that's how, kind of how I was able mm. to grow within that world. Um, but I didn't necessarily know people, um, at those brands or anything like that. It kind of was just, it was kind of word of mouth. And then I, mm. I had a, I had like this fake assistant,
2: um, <laughs> tell us
1: about which, that.
0: <laughs> so. I, I, had, um, I had a, uh, an email address for Virginia Clark Nelson, who <laughs> was my assistant. And, um, the reason why I had her is because I got to a point where I, I wanted to increase my rate, my, I wanted mm. to make sure that I was getting paid and invoicing and all that stuff. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable negotiating for myself and still being the person that had to show up and be gracious and cordial and humble, right? So when I'm also like trying to negotiate a better fee. Yeah. So I uh, kind of did that through Virginia and she was like my alter ego. It's <laughs> <then> so funny. <laughs> I'll never forget this girl who graduated from a Wesleyan um, her name is Ava Donaldson. She was my first ever assistant. She was with me for four years and now she works at Google. Oh, oh wow. hello. Very cool. I know. Very cool. She went from me to Google. I was yeah, like, wow. Ava, like, you're the best. Nailed like, it. Yeah. But I'll never forget when she first found me, she was like, you know, I had Virginia in my bio. She's like, okay, so should I contact Virginia? And I was like,
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's <later>. just me. <laughs> yeah. So funny. such a good story. I love it. So
2: how do you, how do you approach negotiating, um, now, like, you know, I'm assuming you don't have a fake email address now, but when you're (laughs) working with brands and stuff like that, and you're negotiating partnerships and sponsorships, what's your approach going into those conversations?
0: Well, first of all, I mean, I I do have a manager now. Mm. Um, and actually it's the company that my My original manager and my husband, they started a company together. Um, He's also my husband's manager, but then they also Mm. manage about 15 other uh, kind of like DJ talent who also have their own brands. Um, And honestly, it starts with an organic relationship with Mm. any brand. Usually my manager doesn't even tell me. He goes, have you heard of this brand? And if I say no, he doesn't even bring me the deal. If he's, if I say, Oh my God, yes, I've been following them for so long. I know the founder story. Well, he's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, let me get into it. We'll, we'll talk, but, or, or I'll bring him or I'll say, listen, this is a brand I've been admiring and I've been seeing what they're up to. I would love for you to reach out and see what's going on. Um, but let's say we're getting into talks with a company, with a company that, um, that I feel passionate about. Um, we'll basically ask them for the scope of work up front. Mm -hmm. Um, because we want to make sure that, you know, the asks and their expectations aren't something that are, that they're aligned. Right. So we're trying to make sure that um, everything's kind of cohesive and organic when it comes to creating content. Like, you know, it's, if I'm not a YouTuber, so if someone wants, you know, a YouTube thing out of it, obviously we're going to ask if we can cut that out of the deal, just because that's not what I'm proficient in. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really kind of just yeah knowing what what the expectations are and the and and, uh kind of what the scope of work is up front and um and then you know i've been able to negotiate fees and stuff accordingly um and we try to like make sure that everything kind of fits into a schedule like a content schedule like i i never want you know i've 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 been so organic in terms of the partnerships i've had and mm. i really think it's important not to overload my community with mm. with with yeah. uh, branded content and ads and everything so you know i'm conscious about when things need to be published and if i'm working with another brand if they want something published the day before like i'm not going to do like two back to back ads i just don't mm. you know I, I'm a consumer too. You know, I get exhausted by that stuff Mm. and I don't want to exhaust my, my audience, you know, where would I be without them? Right. So I I try to keep them, um, in mind when thinking about, um, how to work with brands. Like I see some people I see, you know, it feels like they never say no, and maybe they're not in a position to say no. So who am I to judge? But Mm. I feel like, I have gotten to a place where I can say no. And I think being particular has helped me in my growth. But there was a time where I couldn't have been particular and there was a time where I didn't even get paid to do anything. So, (laughs) you know, but like I, you know, but I've also been on this journey now for almost seven years. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of earned my stripes to be able to say no.
1: Like anything, it takes time. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Were there any, um, partnerships that you entered into that maybe didn't go so well? And what were some of the lessons that you learned coming out of that?
0: Yeah. Um, there was a pretty, there's one that stands out in my head. Mm. Um, um, and I don't mind naming them. I mean, you don't whatever. have to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So it was with a deodorant company and mm-hmm. it wasn't all natural. And, um, they ended up coming in and kind of saving my ass because I was, I was coming out with my book and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do this event series and we had been talking and talking and talking with this company and it looked like it was going to happen. And then in the ninth hour, it didn't happen. And I'm like, you know, a week before the launch of this thing, I'm like, Oh my God, no. Like this is, you know, one of my biggest accolades I've ever had in my life. And, it's like falling up, like the launch strategy is falling apart. Right. So, um, I had had a small partnership with this brand before that actually went really well because of what the the scope of work was. And it was a really cool initiative and Mm. the content was really beautiful that we had created together. Um, but I knew that it still was a brand that was kind of, "Eh." Mm. And, 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 and they were like, listen, we're willing to not only, you know, back you in this thing, Mm. you know, we'll pay you up front, you know, but we do require that you talk about us at the beginning of every event. And we're going to do that. And we're going to put our stuff in the gift bags and and whatever. And I just remember getting a bit of backlash. And honestly, it wasn't even a lot of backlash, but it just, I knew in my heart that this brand Mm. was not of my personal brand ethos. And when that is true, your audience who, you know, if, if you are, if you are like, (laughs) you know, if you have certain pillars of what you are about, you know, and things don't fall into those pillars, your audience knows. And they were, I felt, I felt like they were rightfully so a little bit disappointed. I felt like they kind of felt like I was selling out a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and that was disappointing for sure. But I feel like, it's funny because I a couple months or actually now now a year and a half later am working with an all natural deodorant. Oh really? I feel so, so good about it that no, I like not. natural de- I'm like, here are my armpits. So <laughs> yeah. deodorant. so, um, so yeah, I, I, I there was there was that. But you know, I think you learn that you just have to stay true to what your morals mm-hmm. are and where your compass is, you know, like it's important that you don't like just talking about. Like, for instance, a a big soda company asked me to be a part of a big campaign. And I was like, I haven't had a soda in in 12 Mm, years. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to do... Yeah, Yeah. it makes no sense. The money was great, but, you know, it doesn't even make sense. Like, I'm not your girl.
2: So we want to ask about your website, HB Fish. Um, yeah. because you sort of chose to, um, create that for your audience, which you built on Instagram. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and how you've, you've de- created that platform and allowed it to generate income for you and for your business? Yeah.
0: So, um, so first of all, it doesn't generate that much. income. Okay. And, that's interesting and, to know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, sometimes I think a lot of the, this world is kind of perception. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that people think we have a bigger team than we do. We're three people. Um, and you know, we try to do native advertising with brands for HB fit and we've been successful. We've had some great, great deals, but it's not, you know, I don't have a sales team. I don't have people who are out Mm. there pitching us, um, to brands. Sometimes what I'm able to do is, Create if I'm a brand who wants to work with me personally. Sometimes I'll ask for an extra fee for a post on HB Fit Social Newsletter and dot yeah. com. Yeah, so I'm able to finesse because of my own personal brand. Yeah like i'm able to like you know toss that hp fit in yeah um but soon hp fit will be generating its own revenue because hp fit will be putting out product um, but i have yeah which is very exciting like so i'm it's a dream come true i've been wanting to have product for almost four years now. I like cannot. I, I even R and D product on my own and realized I couldn't oh, do it. If I didn't have the money yeah, and all the yeah. things. So, so now we've partnered with a, a company that um, we're so excited about. So that that's in the horizon. Any hints? I realized.
1: <laughs> Can you tell uh,
0: you any more? hints? hints? It's, <laughs> any it's it'll be in. It'll be in like the functional
1: ingestible area. Oh, it's oh. exciting. Yeah. Very, cool. very exciting. Mm.
0: So, um, but I realized, you know, like three years in that it was really hard to make mm. money off content on a website.
2: Unless oh yeah. You had,
0: <laughs> yes. Unless you had SEO, you know, yeah. you had the whole thing, you had the team and, and I had a lot of friends who like, you know, I have good friends with Leandra of Man Repeller and watching her grow her business was really inspiring. But I also realized that I didn't have 15 people on staff and mm. it wasn't gonna be able to pump out content the way she was pumping out content. So um, that's why we then started to focus really on our newsletter and our Instagram presence because mm. um, we realized that you know if you can still have a community that's very engaged, mm. when you're ready to sell product, that community will buy it. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily always about the clicks we're getting on the dot com. Um, But that's why we also, that's why I've also haven't shut it down. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs would say, you know, all right, if it's not, if you're not making X at the end of the year, you know, shut it down. But for me um, it is an extension of my own personal brand. And Mm I am, I mean, maybe call it pride, but you know, I really do believe that uh, this company has a powerful presence amongst its community mm. and and also um it allows me to put out product that's not under my personal name. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> for me, I think it's important if I ever want to sell a company that I'm not selling my own name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely.
0: having HB Fit as this kind of like, you know, under my like parent LLC situation. Um, is a way for me to be able to do collaborations and put out products and have it be something um, that is, you know, bigger than me and mm. not my, like, personal. You know, if I do something that's super personal, like, you know, it's going to be under Hannah Bronfman. But I haven't done that yet, um, and HB Fit will definitely be the first, the first place that product is um, going to have, like, its name on
1: did you, did you struggle with that decision? Because I would assume there's a bit of a trade-off. I mean, your name is is very well known and, that, and you've built, uh, you know, the personal brand around that and equally so HB Fit. But did you have to like, was it hard to make that decision as to where to put that product?
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it was difficult and I'm not going to lie. Like in the beginning, HB Fit definitely stood for my initials, right? Mm, Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I was also very aware that it stood for health and beauty. So Mm. I made a conscious decision to rebrand and make it known that HB Fit was health, beauty, fitness and um, have that be like underneath the parent company. And so, um, but it definitely I've had so many debates (laughs) on whether or not it should be under my personal name or HB fit, but time and time again, we just come back to the same conclusion. Mm. Um, and you know, we've, I always say like, you know, growth is so subjective. Um, and it's taken us five years to hit a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but, um, you know, those 100,000 followers have been with us and are so loyal to us. You know, I wouldn't trade it for half a million any day.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's all about engagement and loyalty, isn't it? And
2: consistency as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. How do you find the
2: perseverance and kind of the, the grit to keep building something when building anything valuable takes a long time. Like where do you get your sense of determination from?
0: You know, for me, I think I've always kind of been the person that like in high school, I was kind of like the scapegoat. Like I got blamed for things like, (laughs) you know, people doubted me like, oh, you know, like I like smoked a lot of pot in high school and they were like you know you're like here's you know what what are you going to do with your life type of thing and yeah and my my family is a really entrepreneurial family and Mm. I I saw from a young age that respect in my family meant that you needed to work hard and you needed to have you needed to have something to prove for it um and I kind of just the fuel to my fire has always been the doubt people saw in me. Mm, and it just has always been about, I think in the beginning, it was really about proving them wrong. Mm. And now I just feel like there's nothing I can't accomplish if I really put my mind to it.
1: I love that. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the book earlier, you have released a book and I suppose it's an extension of the website and all the content that you've created for your audience. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to write it?
0: Yeah. So, um, honestly, like moving out of my twenties and into my thirties, I felt like I had just like amassed all this knowledge about health and wellness and my own personal wellness journey, which is something that I don't talk about that often anymore. I mean, it was something I talked about a lot when I first started Mm -hmm. out. Um, but like, you know, I, when I was kind of in those dark days of DJing and not taking care of myself, my skin was horrible. My, my gut was all messed up. And I kind of just went down this road of self discovery as I started to, you know, transition my lifestyle. And I learned so much through that road. And then, uh, through all the experts I was able to meet through Beautified and then, you know, even more, you know, so with HB Fit. And I just felt like, um, it again, it, it, was, it was a story that I hadn't told in a very long time. Um, and it was knowledge I don't necessarily talk about in my day-to-day, you know, social life or social media life. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought it was time to kind of like do a data dump of all of this valuable, um, information. And so, um, and I, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of always a dream to have a book and, and I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen at the age of 30, but, um, when I was approached about it, I was like, you know, it didn't feel when I was approached about it, it did not feel like, whoa. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not something that you can do. It felt like, wow, like sick. Like, (laughs) yeah, How Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. maybe this time. Now, if you ask me like, okay, when's your second book coming? I'm like, Mm. maybe in 15 years. I I, 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 I just gave you everything I knew. Like (laughs) I have much more to learn before I could ever write a second book. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess maybe I could write a cookbook or something, which this book obviously has like a a very – nice chunk of recipes, but um but yeah, so I just felt like a really good time. Um and it was so therapeutic doing it. It was crazy. Um so if anything, mm. I, I remember when I was finished with the book, I said, even if this book doesn't do well, it was such a it was such a cathartic experience yeah. for me that I I got so much out of it personally that I, I hope people feel the same. But um yeah, so that I, that's kind of why I decided to write it, I
2: guess. How long did it take for you to write the book?
0: Um, so, well, start to finish, it took 18 months.
2: Okay. okay. Yeah, I always so find it so interesting. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, from, like, deal to, like, publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, is that brendan hello hi yeah. how are you going he, he, he can't hear you because it's oh, my okay.
1: desk, so sorry he just says i like waving with our big smiles
0: yeah so um good. just brought me in a plate of dinner
1: um oh that's, sweet. that's so nice yeah
0: um so yeah so 18 months start to finish i think the the writing itself i would say 11 months yep and then it was like, you know, the photo shoot and then, and like all the, you know, mm-hmm. then you have to do all the recipes and I worked with a recipe tester and developer and yeah. you got to photograph all the food and then you have to like, you know, get the first, second, third mm-hmm. edit done. And yeah. So
2: I, yeah, I think it was about eight. Around you are really, really important to your business success. So, and especially as women, I mean, having a really you know, strong support crew of women in business is so critical. And that's kind of how lady brains was, was born. Um, and that's sort of what we, what we do and what we stand for. So I'm curious if you could give one shout out to a woman who has really, really helped you on your way, who would it be?
0: Um, I'm going to just have to say my right hand girl Tamar. Um, she worked with me every single day. I've been lucky enough to be with her for the last two years She keeps me humble, informed, on the pulse. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. hey, is this cool? She's like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, You know, she's like, I'm like, hey, can you do this for me? Like, here are the bullet points. Can you like turn this into a quote? She's like, yep, I got you. You know what I mean? She's just amazing. At this point, she's an extension (laughs) of me, but she is totally her own person and she's very young and her determination is inspiring and motivating. She makes me want to be a better boss and mm-hmm. she, like she's just she's just top notch.
2: Oh. Where did you find her?
0: Yeah, we need one. <laughs> we need I one know. Of <laughs> you, know, I know. you know, actually I found her through another amazing blogger named Katie Storino. I don't know if you mm. she goes by the 12ish style. And Katie and I were um, filming something, I guess like almost two years ago now. And I told Katie that I was looking for someone and she was like, oh, well, tomorrow's my in- intern. She's only with me for the summer um, because my girl's coming back. But she has been amazing. You should totally chat with her. And I did. And I was like, just so grateful because she's
1: really amazing. Oh, nice shout out. We yeah. like that one. Um, two final questions as a way to pay it forward. You've already given us lots of advice, but is there any one thing that you would love to leave the listeners?
0: Um, yeah. So one thing we haven't really talked about is I, I do a lot of investing and, um, particularly I do a lot of investing of women, women founders, particularly women of color. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's one way I can give back, then I feel really good about that. Um, it's affording women an opportunity to, be able to have the financial means to put an amazing product in the universe. Um, it's something that I found super challenging on my um, in my past to raise money from corporate America and, you know, basically white men. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, I've been able to, um, you know, whether it's being an advisor or a mentor to founders or simply like an angel investor, that's kind of, it's a whole side thing that I that I do. And um, I'm very I'm very supportive of women of color and specifically founders because it's a hard road. And if you look yeah. at the statistics, you know, they it's one of the fastest growing categories of mm-hmm. female entrepreneurship and it's one of the most underserved um, financially. So if I can help fill that gap, that's what I'm going to do.
2: Love that. It's what was amazing. your What was your experience like fundraising? Just kind of like deviating for a second because um, I mean we've spoken to so many women that found that process incredibly hard. Um, you know, founders that we've spoken to the, for the podcast, but also just women in our community mm-hmm. in Australia who really, really, really struggle to get funding. What was What was difficult about it for you? What was your experience like?
0: Um, I was actually. Honestly met with quite a lot of racism in the, wow. in the fundraising process, which was, and sexism. Yeah. Um, but I will say I also got my foot in a lot of doors due to my last name. You know, My dad mm. is in, yeah. in business himself and has great connections. And I was able to use some of those things, have some of those connections to get my foot in the door, but they weren't always met with kindness. And um, it was still a very difficult place to navigate. And we ended up raising most of our money through female angels um, who did not come through any connection besides myself and my co-founder, Annie. Um, And we found, honestly, that those are the people that we wanted to be involved in our company. And it wasn't, it wasn't this, you know, whether it wasn't those connections that I got through, you know, my white father, which I, he's, he's the best and I love him so much, but you know, my, he, he, he is part of, mm. you know, the stigma that I think a lot right. of people, even though he's so open-minded and he, now he actually also, doesn't he never even worked in, in venture capital. Mm. Um, but you know, it, it was definitely a, a way that I definitely got my foot in the door with a lot of people, but I, I found very quickly that those were the wrong people. Yeah. Um, and so it was definitely a, really weird place to navigate, but again I was lucky in two thousand and twelve it was kind of a time where everyone was giving money to these consumer pro- consumer products and um, especially mobile first
2: so yeah well, it's amazing that you've been able to kind mm-hmm. of take that experience and now you're able to give back to women who you know were in your position a few years ago. So um, mm-hmm. it's really amazing that you're so able to do you. that. Yeah. 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 We
1: applaud you. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. And lastly, Hannah, what do you need right now? One thing or multiple things. What do you need from us, from the listeners, from someone else? Honestly,
0: just like feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, like not even encouragement, just feedback. I think, you know, I don't need a cheerleader, right? Like I, I like I have, you know, I'm. I feel like I'm my own cheerleader. I've got my small team, and we're, you know, we're cheerleaders, and we're excited about what we do. But just feedback, you know, I, I think what we've been able to do with HB Fit and how we've been able to adapt, and you know, why we know that product is the right thing to do is because of the feedback that we get from our community. Um, so. For me, I would just say, you know, and feedback equals like engagement, right? And I think that's Mm. for me that matters to me way more than Mm. the amount of followers I have, right? It's the engagement that I have with this community. So, um, so yeah, just feedback, I guess.
1: Can do. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Send the feedback through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Slide into the DMS. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Thank you so thank much, you. Hannah. That was yeah, great. Yeah, thank you
0: guys so much. It was awesome. It was so nice to be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. I think this is the new way of the world. Oh, right? totally. And
2: yeah, so. Damn. It opens I up so think. many more opportunities.
0: I know, but, so it's, it's amazing.
1: It's, it's, that's yeah, really great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it is. Yeah. So I hope this won't be the last time we see each other.
2: We loved talking to Hannah, I don't know about you, but we were so incredibly inspired to hear how she bounced back after such a heart wrenching business setback. We think the lesson here though, is that even if you've had a really giant failure, it doesn't have to define you. It's all in how you choose to respond to it. Hannah decided to take everything that happened as a learning experience. She moved forward and she actually built something that was even better, something that was more aligned to her passion and her purpose. Come and join us in the Facebook group, The Lady Brains Clubhouse. This is where the real magic happens.
1: Ladyland is hosted by Anna McKenzie and Caitlin Judd. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolich.